Okay. I'm sipping on a little bit of whiskey. So just so people know, we're a little loose. You know? <laughs> <laughs> we like to have fun. All right, Lucas! <laughs> How's it going? Uh, doing very well. Doing very well. Oh, we should clap. We got to clap in. Oh. Yeah, damn. yeah. Okay, right. cool. Three, two, one. Okay, close enough. All right. So, Matt, we are going to get to talking here about difficulty in games. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, this is uh, something that we've covered before uh, in our accessibility episode. Now, give me your rundown on difficulty in video games. Tell me about a difficult game that you've played recently, a difficult game from the past. What's the hardest game you've ever played? Ooh, the hardest game? Yeah. Ooh, that's hard. So I, I usually avoid those. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I'm just going to go with something from recent memory. Um, I thought Metroid was a really hard game, honestly. Okay. Okay, that's good. Uh, okay. Metroid was hard. Uh, Hyperlight was hard. Hyperlight was hard. Yeah. Doable. Ah, steep learning curve for Hyperlight, I'd okay. say. Do you see a difference between something being hard and something being challenging? Do you view those as different definitions? What do you think? Yeah, because I think I think challenging is an uh, like the natural progression of something that's hard, right? Mm-hmm. So a game may be hard, but it may not be rewarding. But if it's something that's challenging, typically, at least the way I interpret that is it's challenging but it's also rewarding right i feel like those kind of like challenging and rewarding go hand in hand whereas the game that might just be hard for the sake of being hard it might not feel as rewarding once you beat it because there might not be as clear as reasons as why this game is hard right yep like one boss might just have an obscene amount of health and do an obscene amount of damage with like no like particularly good counterplay yeah right right. that's absolutely true and and hard is like i would define hard as say some of the old NES games like Super Mario Brothers mm-hmm. is a hard game. Castlevania is a hard game. I wouldn't I wouldn't define them as necessarily challenging because I do think that the difficulty in those games is somewhat unfair and has a little bit of um, you know uh roots roots in the reasons for their difficulty that aren't exactly wholesome, I'd say. Um difficulty Well actually, I'll start with a quick housekeeping item. A lot of this information is coming from a couple videos on YouTube. Um, actually three there's a video on youtube by the channel brackies um, and it's called difficulty in video games game design and the video by one of my favorite youtubers donkey which is just called difficulty in video <laughs> oh, games difficulty that. in video games part one and two donkey has done a couple analyses on those um, and also a game developers conference talk by alex jaff of riot games um, a, a video called cursed problems in game design um, all very interesting videos. If you just uh, go on YouTube and type in difficulty in video games, you'll find some really solid hits. Um, and I'm going to dive right in. So again, we've covered difficulty in games on our episode about accessibility. Um, I'm going to start lightly, lightly. lightly. Yeah. Lo- talking about yeah. how, you know, certain difficult games create a large barrier to entry for certain players and video games are really one of the only artistic mediums where you're effectively walled off from being able to experience certain things i mean being able to experience based on pure skill based on pure like uh player skill and difficulty and things like that yeah that's um we can dig into that a little more too because that's just interesting interesting because we think about like whether it's uh uh, assuming all five of your senses are intact and um 
you know, you don't have any sort of hearing disability or like vision disability or something like that. Like there's no real barrier to entry on like books, movies, music. Um, music. I mean, you learn everyone pretty much learns to read at a relatively young age. But with games, I mean, like there might be a game like Dark Souls where it's a notoriously hard game and you might just not be good at that kind of yeah. game and you might not be able to get through certain bosses and maybe that game just isn't for exactly, you. Exactly, right? exactly. I'm going to go into that a little bit later and I think it's a it's an interesting conversation. It's unique to the art medium of video games and we're going to we're going to get to that a little bit later. But I want to define for the audience here a few game design elements that I think are um, pretty interesting. Uh, this was actually in researching this topic the first time I've ever heard of this particular definition here. Um Matt, have you ever heard the phrase "the player promise" or the promise the, the I have promise not to the player? Laid on me. So this is a game design concept. It's actually quite simple. It's exactly what it sounds like. It's what you're basically promising the player will experience through their time playing this game. Okay, this is a lot of times done through specific genres, right? So if I tell you, yeah. if I say I'm going to sign up and play an MMO. I'm going to think, okay, I'm going to sink a lot of hours in this game. It's going to be a big world. I'm going to pick a race. I'm going to pick a class. Um, there's like certain things that the genre is inherently promising to my experience, right? So what would you say the promise is for an RTS, like a real-time strategy game, like a StarCraft? Um, like um... Resource management, unit management. Oh, as far as like, yeah, 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 resource management, unit management, strategy. Yeah, and how are you, how you play the game, like it's promised to you in its genre as well. So you're thinking, okay, well, I'm probably going to have to learn some hotkeys, high APM if I want to get really good. I'm probably not going to master this game. (laughs) Like, I know it's a hard game, right? But I could at least have fun up to a certain point. So there's a certain promise that that gets made to you innately through this, right? Um, Think of a social deception game like Coup, right? A board game. What's the promise made there? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> we love coup. We love How, coup. We what love would you coup. say the promise um, is there? Um, broken friendships, <laughs> um, <laughs> deception, mm-hmm. lies, um, two timing, um, bluffing, um, bluffing, gambling. Yeah, face. exactly, exactly. Or poker yeah. face. Excuse so me. all all these things are kind of when you play the game, you're expecting a certain thing depending on the genre, right? Now, yes. it's it's pretty simple if you think about it because every game is promising you something. Whether you're playing a fighting game, whether you're playing, you know, a game like Coup, an MMO, any of these single-player games, a JRPG from the 90s, you just know what you're going to get, right? So your expectations yes. are already set when you play a game for the most part. But let's talk about a game like Castlevania. Castlevania 1, Super Mario Brothers 1, Dark Souls, Hyper Light Drifter, Left 4 Dead, Right? What is the promise that you really have about these games? A lot of times, depending on what generation you're from, depending on what you've read about these games, depending on your own skill level, you're going to have you're going to create a different promise for yourself. Dark Souls, you're obviously going to go like, this is a hard game. I know what I'm getting myself into. But what if you're yeah. playing Dark Souls and you don't have that kind of third-party information? You don't have any you don't know that it's supposed to be a hard game. Would you feel different about it when you encountered the challenge? Yeah, so like let's say you enter from for, from yeah, software from software is the from software. You know, let's say I just came off a um a rousing um a rousing round of playing a way out with my buddy Lucas, <laughs> Got right? And I'm thinking, man, this game was something else and I'm I'm not conditioned for these games to be a certain way. 
and that's my promise I'm expecting from mm-hmm. games, right? And then you, no experience. Just like, why not? You enter a Dark Souls game or Sekiro or whatever, right? It's fucking yeah, blown yeah, away. It's fucking blown away. But if you had prior knowledge of that game being a, quote, hard game or a Souls-like game, you're going to have a different expectation about it, right? So it's going to affect yes. your perceived level of difficulty about the game. You're already expecting, like the level's already set for the difficulty, so you're less likely to get frustrated because of that third-party information. Does that make sense? Right? So yes. already we're, we're understanding something very very nuanced about difficulty in games. Difficulty in games actually starts before you even play the game with your expectation about it, right? I mean, Dark Souls is still going to be a hard game. It's not necessarily going to be frustrating. We might even change our definition to Dark Souls to challenging when we first play it, depending on if we know that it's it's hard yes. or not, right? So right. let's hold the definition of player promise in our head for a moment. Um, think about it, and I'm going to introduce another concept here. Okay, the idea of player progression. Player progression, pretty standard definition um, here. We've all we all understand player progression pretty much innately when it comes to games. Um, you interact with a game over a certain amount of time. You slowly get better at the game, and the game gives you tools which make your avatar in the game better. Okay, so um, typically these two things. That is your avatar's in-game skill and your intrinsic skill as a player increase roughly at the same rate in proportion to the challenge, right? So, so as you get as you yourself get better at the game, learn the game mechanics, your in-game avatar is also leveling up and getting better abilities and getting better at exploiting those mechanics. Exactly, the and the game is getting harder, quote unquote. Now, yes. we, you've heard the phrase probably difficulty curve. And typically a game, if it's designed well, it will be kind of easy in a tutorial sense at the very beginning. It'll get a little bit hard until you acquire a little bit of skill or acquire a little bit of like weapons or in-game tools to really help you progress. Then it gets easier again. Then it gets harder again, then easier again. And it kind of keeps going in a peak and a valley over time until you, you just are getting better at the game right? This concept is kind of riding that line between frustration, a game getting too hard too fast, and boredom, a game getting too easy too fast, okay? More than likely, you've experienced frustration, but not boredom, okay? (laughs) I've experienced frustration in games quite a bit, but boredom does exist. Um, I experienced boredom- Several times for the game on this podcast. Yeah, (laughs) I've, I've experienced boredom uh, most recently, while playing like Cyberpunk, I experienced a lot of boredom when I played uh, Fallout 4. I remember specifically certain open world games, I think, have difficulty riding that line between making something increasingly challenging and you, your avatar, getting increasingly just because there's so many decisions and well, you can shortcut so many things. I was going to say, yeah, and inherently with it being open world, I mean, it's very feasible. You go and explore an area that maybe really is an area you should explore until you know you've put. 15 20 hours exactly exactly so there's and there's all sorts of different game design principles that push people in a subtle way or a not so subtle way into specific areas of the map right so at the end of the day it's it's one of those difficult problems to solve there at least with an open world game right um when it comes to uh you know the the player progression and difficulty as a whole and that sort of graph that line graph that we're that we're following fly like kind of threading the needle between frustration and boredom there's four main components that we got to think about 
Okay. Player power, player skill, enemy power, and enemy skill. Okay, so player power is your in-game power, like your tools, your gear, your sword, your gun, your stats. That's your power. The tools that are given. The, the tools game. that are given to you in the game, and your player skill is how good you are at the game, right? Your reaction time, your decision making, exactly. your um, your how aware are you of like this signals that exactly you know, like um, reacting to things your enemy mm -hmm. does. Enemy power. That's referring to kind of the same thing as player power, but for the enemy, right? So the, the enemy's stats, the enemy's armor, the enemy's weapons, things like that. And then the enemy skill. Enemy skill is tricky. That's mostly defined as like enemy AI, like enemy AI, enemy AI uh, being able to somewhat like mimic a human, think, um, change direction, do things um, that a human might do or mimic. Um, and... For these four main components, that is, you know, player skill, player power, enemy power, enemy skill, the game designer is really only in control of three of those things. The game designer is never in control of the player skill. So it's a unique problem mm -hmm. that uh, a lot of designers have to really solve and adjust the meters on the other thing to make, on the other, other three components to make things more enjoyable, ride that line between frustration and boredom. And even though they're not controlling player skill, it's a variable they have to consider nonetheless. Because, exactly. you know, they don't want to make a certain mechanic that, you know, if maybe your reaction time is very specifically, like, you can react to a certain thing, like, a millisecond faster than the average human, or maybe you're a millisecond later than the average human, whatever it may be, maybe there's a very easily exploitable thing within that little frame, right? Or within those five frames. You know, that's very... I mean, I think the most simple example we can give, this is like kind of a little bit of a stretch from this conversation, but like Smash Brothers, right, is a game of a very straightforward set of mechanics, but the biggest variable is how good are you reacting to these yes. things, right? Like obviously there's a lot that goes into a competitive fighting game like that, as there would be like with any game like Street Fighter or Mortal Kombat, but something that's kind of, to an extent, probably can't really be trained as much as like reaction time, right? And how quickly can you hit that button and hit that yeah. tech before someone else yeah, does. Yeah, exactly. So. so the player skill is going to be, it's such a wide range uh, player skill. And ex you know, accessibility is a really important conversation in there. And everybody might have a different like level. Like they might think they're good at something, but they don't really know. You know, the game designers don't know, you know, the game designers know like what yeah. level you generally would have to be at skill wise to pass certain levels in a game, but the player doesn't really know, right? Now, player skill can be conditioned and taught to the player over time. This is where things get a little interesting. So let's say you're playing something like a Metal Gear Solid, right? Let's say you're playing some sort of sneaky yeah. game and there's guards coming around a corner and you have to kind of, you know, hide from the guards. I, I like manage eyesight, eye lines um, or lines of sight, you know, things like that. And the guards will say something like, I think I heard him over there. And they start walking that way. Okay, now you yeah. get taught that there's a certain cue that you should look out for that the guard's going to go that way. Okay, so you're acquiring player skill, but you're also by learning the certain systems in the game that doesn't have to do with your player stats, that doesn't have to do with weapons or armor or anything like that. It has to do with you learning the system and and keeping up with the, the like learning the skills that you need to pass this level. Systems system literacy. Shout out systems literacy. We did an episode on that as well. Um, so it's interesting. I mean, a game designer has a lot of tools at their disposal um, to make the game easier or harder for you, but they also have to think about how they can teach you the game to increase your skill over time. 
And that's why, you know, generally, no matter what difficulty level you play at, uh, whether that's easy, normal, hard, veteran, legendary, right? The beginning levels are going to be easier than the later levels. So just the game designers always keep that in mind, right? The beginning of the game is easier because it's teaching you the systems. And then the end of the game is where you have to put them all into practice, right? So I, what I find really interesting personally, having just played through Left 4 Dead, um, and this episode will air, I think, before our Left 4 Dead episode. So we're going to have to talk about that a little bit later. Yeah. But um, if you're listening to this uh, a week after it comes out, then you can come back and you know listen to Left 4 Dead, listen to this one. Um, is the choosing what difficulty you want to play on, right? This has been a staple in video games for the last 20 years. Are you going to play on easy, normal, advanced, expert, in Call of Duty, it's called Veteran. In Halo, it's called Legendary. And I remember so many people talking about how they beat Halo on Legendary, and they were real men. This was middle school. Um, and <laughs> and it was just – it was one of those challenging things. It was just like – it was a cool thing to beat Halo on Legendary, whatever. And the thing is, is Halo on Legendary fun? Is it challenging or is it hard or is it just dumb? That's such a hard line to draw, right? It's like, um, like we played through. Let I me mean, talk about this more in the Left 4 Dead episode. But like, we played through Left 4 Dead on mm -hmm. Advanced, right? And Advanced is really fucking hard. Like, you, it's without a full party, it's pretty yeah. hard to get through. Um, and then I, I, I just assumed that that was the highest difficulty. And then you told me there's one expert where like, if you get caught by basically any infected, even once, yeah. like you're done, right? You're just like, give up. Um. And like at that point, it's like, is that, that's not even fun. It's not even challenging. That's just like hard. Cause like name one run, any of you, any of our listeners have done in a game like left for dead, where you've gone a whole run without getting a jockey jumping on you or getting like ran by a fucking exactly. charger or something. Right. Like it just doesn't happen. Like that's exactly. Just part of the game. So is it, is it fun? I mean, I think for a certain crowd of people for a very small minority of gamers, it's fun to play on that challenging of a level and have to really think that hard when you're playing a game. But I think for the majority of audiences, which I think is what many game designers are designing for, um, many casual gamers, maybe people slightly above casual if you're making a, a challenging game, you're designing for those people. And, you know, does that mean that Left 4 Dead on normal difficulty is the way the game is meant to be played or advanced difficulty is the way it's meant to get played? I think these questions are just super interesting. Um, for, personally, I actually really enjoyed advanced in Left 4 Dead, I think it was just the right amount of difficult. Um, we had to like really communicate. We had to be very tactical. Normal was just like a baby game. Yeah. It was just, he just ran through it and like, no, <laughs> yeah, it was yeah, pretty mindless. mindless. And I, I like the being as tactical as possible inside Left 4 Dead. I think that makes the game more fun. Um, but that being said, each person's line between frustration and boredom, finding that ideal, you know, difficulty curve for cha optimal challenge is going to be different, which is why these different game modes exist. So I think they need to exist. I think it's it's kind of more dynamic when they exist, but we, we have to all find our own level for difficulty when it comes to those difficulty settings, the ones that we pick. Now there's also DDA. DDA is your dynamic difficulty adjustments. This is a, this is a big one. This is what Resident Evil is very known for. Um, it's basically the game adjusting and finding the right level of flow for you, right? The right difficulty curve for you. So, so it's adjusting it in is. real time. So as you certain play. game. 
I'm not sure I've played you, any. You games probably like have, that, but you just didn't know that it was doing that. Can you have you ever played a Resident a Evil game? Others? Have you ever played Crash Bandicoot? I actually Bandicoot? haven't. No, that'd be a good one to do for me. Crash Bandicoot does it. Yeah. So Crash Bandicoot is really? reading out how many deaths you that. have, okay. and it's giving you larger timing windows depending on what section you're in for jumps. Yeah. Yeah. See, I, I knew like you would. That. I knew you. I knew you'd be down with a DDA. <laughs> so uh, a game that has yeah. dynamic difficulty adjustment might ask, "How long did you stay in this section? How many deaths have you had so far? Are you running out of ammo?" Right, and a game like Resident Evil will actually spawn different items. So Resident Evil, like you're always, you always feel like you're low on ammo. You always feel like you don't have enough heals. You never have an excess, and that's because the game is automatically adjusting what is given to you, what's spawning to you. So if you feel like you're low on health, it's only going to give you one green herb to heal. It's not even going to heal you full. So the game is. All is adjusting every moment of your experience to feel tense by giving you, you know, only a certain amount of item that you need, right? Always feels tense. Um, I think that's very interesting. Um, I think that uh, that's kind of a cool line to ride is that dynamic difficulty adjustment. Dark Souls won't do that for you. I'll tell you that right now. Um, no. Any old game, probably pre-2000, will not do that for you, at least any console games. I'm sure some PC games might have been experimenting with that back in the day. Um, but yeah, so you have the dynamic adjustment, you have the choosing your difficulty setting, and then you have nothing, right? Um, Nintendo games, they don't really adjust their difficulty settings. You just play it on the one setting and you can trust that, you know, it was just meant to be experienced in this one singular way. Yeah. And And so, so there's, so there comes a whole set of challenges and benefits to each individual one on the changing up of your of your difficulty so the ability to play on easy to veteran that is going to create the most accessibility for your game because people could just play on easy and just have a good time and not have to worry about dying they probably won't ever really get hurt um they can just do nothing and win the game right the dynamic difficulty adjustment reward the the problem with that is it actually rewards bad players and it does not reward good players. <laughs> so you actually get rewarded for playing worse, which may have a subconscious effect on the player if they know it's happening to them, right? And they might feel cheated yeah. out of a win, right? The kind of Nintendo philosophy, or I guess the what we might now call like the Dark Souls philosophy is no difficulty adjustment. It's just a hard game or it's challenging, whatever you want to call it. That is one, what might say, one might say is the purest form right because it's just the game is what it is it exists how it exists and you just have to you have to increase your player skill period right there's no it's not going to adjust to you it's not it's not going to adjust its difficulty difficulty level to bring it down to your player skill it's asking you it's demanding you to increase your player skill would you say that's more of like the old school mentality and then the new school mentality is that this should be adaptive this shouldn't this difficulty shouldn't be a barrier of entry to players you know dead soul or excuse me not dead souls dark souls um should maybe have a more like dynamic um adjusting what's that, what's it called a d- dynamic difficulty adjustment um it should have more dda right like what yeah. where do you think um where would uh where would producer sam fall in that camp yeah i think well i know where sam would fall um our producer would definitely go for the pure form game yeah which is, it's just all about skill. And I, I do agree with that to a certain point, but I do understand the need for varying difficulty levels in games. I, I feel like I used to lean far into, hey, just get good kind of thing. 
Um, and that's definitely the mentality in like competitive games is just, especially fighting games, is just get good, right? But when it comes to single player experiences, like these, this is video games have like the biggest audience and con- consumer base than anything, right? Like there's more gamers than there's more people playing video playing video games than are watching movies or TV shows these days. Whether that's a mobile game, which people forget about. PC gaming, <laughs> console gaming, yeah. like there's so many people playing video games, and I feel like most gamers to... are mobile gamers, right? Yeah, that's that's yeah. A, that's the real. We should dive into that as in anything. That'd be a good one, there. actually. Yeah, that, yeah. But point being, you know, you have to make your game as accessible as possible because games are just so damn popular that people just need to be able to play them at. at and there's just so many skill levels for gamers so, by today's standards. Yeah, and if you want to be, if you want to prove that you're good at video games or you can, you know, grow your skills and and become good, then yeah, beat Dark Souls and feel good about it, right? But it's not, it's not what it used to be, right? Like not every game needs to be a hard game. Back in the day, like NES games, they were difficult because they had to create a, a longer experience for the gamer because really those games are only like 30 minutes long. Well, there's no so, DLC either, right? Yeah, yeah you're, no, you're not, not, you're not getting new patches in or anything, right? Like you're exactly all, all you get to play is fucking what's the what's the shitty game, the, the movie game, um, ET. That's your you experience. get to play ET. That's yeah. your experience. That so it's it's interesting too because you back then you know games were harder to come by. You were mostly kids playing video games like yeah. in the in the in the mid '80s and early '90s. And you got like one, two, or maybe three games a year if you were lucky. One on Christmas, one on your birthday. If you had an allowance or you saved up, you can pay, you can maybe get another game or maybe rent one at like Blockbuster, right? Now, these games had to be hard because they had to last a long time for people. If you were just able to beat that game or it had dynamic difficulty adjustment, say theoretically you were able to go baby mode on Super Mario Brothers and you just beat it in 30 minutes, people would feel cheated. They'd go like, oh, now I have to wait six months to play the next play game. The next one, yeah. So, Spend more money on it, yeah. Yeah, so difficulty had a pure, like, functional, uh, like, it did not have, like, as kind of... It had a functional role in the consumer gaming experience. And you can maybe even argue that a more difficult game that maybe took someone a full year to get their player skill up to, maybe, excuse me, maybe back then that was the better game than the game that had um, DD, DDA, right? That yeah. was easier for you to play. Yeah, exactly. And all, I mean, basically all those NES games are difficult. Like, they're very yeah. hard. I can't go back and beat those games. And I think someone that goes out and beats Dark Souls would still have a hard time beating DuckTales. You know, like, those games are just very, very hard. Yeah. And for, for that reason, right, that we just talked about. And, yeah, so I just want to circle back to the idea of the player promise, right? Because I think that it really ties into difficulty when it comes to how we perceive our games. You know, the games are difficult because we, one, don't anticipate the difficulty and they're frustrating. Yeah. Or the game moves at a pace that does not keep up with our ability to learn the game. Or the in-game, abil- the in-game avatar abilities like stats, um, armor, weapons, things like that. So... A good game, a a game that has really great game design, is a game that rides that line perfectly where it's made a promise to you of it not being easy, not being too easy, not being too hard. It's kind of given you the right expectation for it at the get-go, whether that's through trailers or through media, marketing, or through its very early levels, right, or tutorial areas. And then it manages to ride that really great pacing of 
difficult, challenging, not frustrating, and not boring. Right. Hyperlight Drifter is my favorite, most recent example for this pod. Um, it was like challenging. I don't think it was a hard game. I think it was very challenging. Is I, the perfectly right word. Yeah, yeah, I think we talked about that too. I, I I don't think it was a hard game, and I think like it didn't say ever that it was going to be easy. It didn't feel like it was going to be easy from the. I very mean, there's beginning. no way to adjust difficulty, right? I mean, to my knowledge, no diff, DDA, no D, right? no yeah. DDA, no way to adjust difficulty. It's one of those pure games, um, yes. and I don't I I don't think anyone could just pick that game up and just zoom through it i think you have to learn it i think you yeah. have to like and you're you get upgrades you progress you get you get other weapons you get uh more health you know so there's certain things in the game that you upgrade that give you the great idea of player progression but you still are getting better at the game very visually very viscerally getting better player skill wise i think perfect right difficulty curve in games and it's something that i know i'm really going to start thinking about when it comes to video game design and difficulty yeah yeah it's um and it, it's going to be interesting to see how developers continue to to tackle difficulty in games right because there's not really any solid i guess right answer per se it's kind of just one of those things that it's open to the interpretation of the user in that moment right? of the player in that moment Exactly. Um, you'll have the purists, you'll have the new, more new school people, maybe like myself, honestly, where I like it being kind of adaptive or having the ability to adjust. Um, and it, it's just one of those things that I think will kind of never have a right answer. It's just kind of unique to you. Right? Exactly. And what's, what's interesting too, and I guess I'll end it on this is video games really are the only art medium that has this unique problem, right? Yes. Like worrying about dynamic difficulty adjustment, uh, difficulty levels, that's just doesn't exist in other things. You know, it's like, it's an immovable thing, a movie, right. Or a book. And, um, I don't know. It's, it's a problem that we have to solve yet. Another thing that, that makes us unique as a medium. And, uh, I'm just excited to over the years, see how difficulty evolves, what people's mentality about difficulty becomes, uh, and how gamers start to feel over the years. Yeah, definitely. Exciting times. Exciting times. Exciting times. Yeah. <sighs> Do you, um, do you think Elden Ring is going to have any ADD in it? Probably not. Yeah, Probably yeah. Not. yeah. I don't think it's <laughs> against their design philosophy. Very much um, against their design but, philosophy. But but I'm all for it. I I uh, I'm excited. Whenever we decide to do a Souls game, uh, for this pod, will be a good. I kind of want Elden Ring to be my first one. Really? I'm into Either that. that or Sekiro. I'm into that. I'm into both of those. But I need to. <laughs> I need. We both need to find a way to <laughs> to play them. Procure, procure a. Uh, ps5 first so one of these any days. listeners i don't know why i looked over there my camera's here if any listeners have any uh any um hot hot uh, connections hot tips to um, hook us up with the ps5 um hit, hit your boy up. <laughs> hit us up please hit us up yeah all right matt so that's I'm not trying not trying to pay a thousand dollars for a ps5 me neither or gpu yeah. Really, prices uh, prices need to go down on things. Is really really all that, that this conversation it's got to a go. goal. Yeah, it really does. <laughs> all right, yeah. that is all I got today, Matt, for uh, difficulty in games. I hope uh, you, audience members, found it interesting. Yeah, I, uh, I I enjoyed that topic. I did. That was a that was a fun one. Um, listeners, beautiful people, uh, if you enjoyed this topic, maybe uh, write in, ask some questions about it. Maybe we'll do a Q and A at some point. Shoot us an email at uh, thanksforplayingpod at gmail.com or um, we're on Twitter <laughs> and um, 
what's the other one? Tick- Instagram. We have a TikTok too. Uh, we have a TikTok too. Twitter and Instagram. You can find us at TFP Podcasts. That's TFP Podcasts with an S at the end. And we are on TikTok. And I want to give a special shout out to, um, to Dragoon two two four, who um, oh, I can probably hear my phone. Who recently commented on one of our TikToks. First time seeing you two after listening to audio only for a while. Nice to put faces to the voices. Oh, wow. Right. Yeah. Keep up the good work. Dragoon224, thank you for hanging out. Thank you for checking out the TikTok. Maybe we'll bring that back. Because actually, as far as social media is perform- concerned, that stuff was performing pretty okay. So <laughs> <laughs> maybe we'll, uh, we'll... We should probably, re- we should probably reinstate re- the TikTok. Get back into yeah. that. Yeah. All right. But um, I think that's all we got today, everyone. As always, remember, anything's possible.